Welcome everyone to the Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get a chance to sit down and talk with Evan. Uh, always a blast to get it, get his thoughts, and especially with the draft. I mean, we're just a couple, what, week and a half, two weeks away from actually figuring out draft capital, landing spots, and all that. So getting his takes, I'm excited to do it. Uh, but Jen, how you doing? I'm good. I'm doing well. I am uh, excited for the wrapping up of the school year. I'm, we're down to like almost single digits. So I'm yeah. excited to like sleep in, not have to do the make lunch, the drive, that whole grind. I'm ready for summer and uh, like you said, draft season and best ball season and all that good stuff. How, how, how are you, Brandon? I'm doing good. The sun came out today. So in Portland, I, we're all with the, yeah. <laughs> the sun occasionally coming out. I feel like it's been months since I've seen it, which was really nice. Uh, I'm psyched because this week we're lucky to be joined by Evan Silva, as Chris mentioned, from Establish the Run. You can follow Evan on Twitter at Evan Silva. Check out all his work at EstablishTheRun.com. Uh, Evan provides some of the most engaging and actual content that I see. Uh, out there in fantasy so one of my favorite follows and uh, just recommend it lucky lucky to have him on evan thank you so much for joining us nice to see you again how you doing yeah and speaking of the weather uh here in chicago it was 45 and raining every day for the past six weeks and all of a sudden today it's 87 and sunny <laughs> and i think there's something wrong with my ac i'm sweating up a storm but, um, <laughs> But I, I, it's really good to be uh, with you guys, and uh, I, I can't wait to uh, uh, hash it out. Excellent. Uh, we appreciate it again. We're going to talk uh, draft winners and losers. We talked draft uh, prospects last week. This week, we're going to talk about those players that are already in the league that may be impacted by this incoming draft class. If you want to take some of this actionable advice and uh, go tonight, get in on some early best ball action, don't forget we have a promo right now where if you deposit $10 in a new underdog account, you get a, a deposit bonus match plus a four for four pro subscription. It's a great deal. If you're on the fence about underdog, this will get you your post subscription knocked out of the way early on and you can use that actionable advice all off season uh so just enter four for four four for in the promo code box uh evan before we talk about the non-rookie winners and losers uh you've got your rankings did they just drop or are they about to drop i didn't check today uh i submitted them for editing okay. so they will be out within uh the next two hours and they'll be uh, uh emailed to uh all of our subscribers at uh, establish the run Excellent. I want to know, this is a huge task, and I know a lot of people do rankings, but yours are some of uh, some of the best, most comprehensive, most accurate out there. Uh, I just want to know, what, what's your process as you go into the, your first top 150 going into the offseason? Well, the first top 150 is very opinion-based, and then I will, um, as we uh, move through the offseason, start to really look at ADP, uh, our own statistical projections. Uh, but when we really get into the nitty gritty and the top 150s really matter, the initial one is a very much a rough draft. Um, but when we, you know, get to June, July, August, you know, uh, very early in September, as we approach week one, it's really all about how I view players versus the consensus versus the, uh, the uh, consensus ADP. So, and I want to steer our audience toward players that we support at Establish the Run and away from players that we're more skeptical about, but we also still want to be open to drafting players that we're skeptical of if they fall to a certain spot in a draft where we consider them a value because we know we're not going to get everything right. You know, we're going to get some stuff wrong and we're trying to stay humble in this process and we're trying to uh, 
you know, definitely get guys that we like, but also maximize value over the course of a draft. Excellent. Excellent. Any uh, little sneak peek, any like favorite outside the box uh, ranking you can preview for us, either positive or negative? Um, I think that I'm going to end up being higher on consensus on uh, Damian Pierce, the Texans running back. Ooh, I like Jameson, it. Jamison Crowder, uh, the Bills slot receiver, I think is a really good player. He's had you know a tough time staying healthy. He's played on some, you know, in some very bad situations, but I think this could be a really good situation for him. Um, Jared Goff, and we're going to get to him. Hey. Like, I'm not even like a big Jared Goff guy, but I think that his situation right now is very uh, beneficial to him. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. Excellent. Excellent. I'd love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Everybody go to EstablishTheRun.com. Check out those rankings when they pop out. It's going to be one of the best things you can do as you're doing some early drafts and preparing for the offseason. Uh, let's get into our main topic. We're going to talk draft winners and losers. Uh, I feel like we need to start with the trades uh, because those were the big, some of the big stories from the first night of the draft. We didn't really cover them too much last uh, last night, let's start with A.J. Brown to Philly. Uh, receiver goes from Tennessee to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Evan, how does this affect Ryan Tannehill and the Titans receiving options in your mind? Well, I think that it definitely hurts Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is sort of, you know, on the on the brink of, you know, what's his future? I think it really helps actually uh, Malik Willis and his chances of getting onto the field earlier uh, than he anticipated. Interesting. It, it certainly helps Traylon Burks. I mean, he has like a, a somewhat of a path to uh, be, becoming the Titans' number one receiver as a rookie. I think obviously it helps uh, Robert Woods. His health situation is going to be something to monitor. But you know, the, the ACL recoveries get faster every year. Um, but I think those are the, the primary beneficiaries on the, on the uh, uh, Titans side. Jalen Hurts obviously benefits. Michael Leone at established a run is big on Jalen Hurts as a potential MVP candidate this year. Ooh, I like that. I'd be excited about that. I'd love me some Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, in fantasy, I mean, I'm ranking Jalen Hurts ahead of Patrick Mahomes, like in my in my quarterback rankings. I mean, it's the upside, the floor. I love it. Just, I, I think in both aspects, from an upside standpoint and from a floor standpoint, I think Jalen Hurts is a better pick this year than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to get drafted multiple rounds ahead of Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. based on ADP, but I think Jalen Hurts is going to outscore him this year. That's spicy. I love that. So you mentioned uh, the other receiving options there in Philly. Uh, you know, A.J. Brown joins Devontae Smith, joins Dallas Goddard. Uh, how do you feel about Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard now? Are you worried about less targets going their way? Yeah, I'm worried about the pass game volume, um, you know, the uh, potentially widespread distribution. Like, is, is Jalen Hurts going to lock on to one guy? He's got a lot of really good options right now. Devontae Smith's a really good outside receiver. Dallas Goddard's a stud at tight end. Um, and A.J. Brown, I mean, he's, you know, a top five talent at the wide receiver position. Is, is Jalen Hurts really going to lock on to one of them? I and, and, I mean, because that's what you need to happen in a run-first offense. And I don't, and they they established such a good formula last year. Their offensive line kicks ass, you know. So I, I think they're going to stay with that formula uh, that they use. They they came out of the gates under Nick Sirianni, throwing the ball a lot, too much. But they kind of settled into being uh, one of the run heaviest teams in the league, and they had success doing that. And I think they're going to stick with that. 
I love that they have three quality t- starting tackles. Like it, it, it's something like most teams don't have two, and the Eagles have three like quality starting caliber uh, tackles. I, it, it it makes me happy. Are you bullish on Miles Sanders? Then thinking that yes, yeah, he he's definitely the guy that I think I'm going to be above consensus on because I've looked around at some other people's rankings and he gets lost in the shuffle, like in the RB twenties. Um, you know, and to me, I think he belongs in the teens. He had some bad touchdown luck last year. His receiving projection is not strong, and that's always a concern. But, you know, Nick Chubb, who's, you know, his consensus rank among RB is going to be like 10 spots ahead of Miles Sanders, has very similar concerns, you know, in um, a similar situation. I think Nick Chubb is better straight up than Miles Sanders. But I think Miles Sanders is like the arbitrage Nick Chubb this year. And I think that absolutely makes sense. Like if you're thinking about it from that standpoint. And to your point, Evan, it does seem like AJ Brown goes from being a leader on his team in Tennessee in terms of opportunity to just being a part of the Eagles offense. Because if even if you look at his opportunity from a route standpoint, I mean, this is from uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception. I mean, his like most of his opportunity came from like digs and curls, like some of those like timing routes that him and Ryan Tannehill, they had that type of chemistry. He doesn't necessarily have that chemistry with Jalen Hurts yet, but that's also where Devonta Smith was running a number of his routes in his freshman season as well. So it just seems like they're adding more players to give Jalen Hurts more options in the passing game. So instead of seeing a guy like A.J. Brown who was just dominating targets, like even in his rookie season, I think he got almost like 38% of the targets just like in a single game, but we saw him just dominate the targets like towards the back end of his rookie season, and he became that wide receiver one in fantasy throughout his tenure in, Tan- in Tennessee. It just becomes easier to see him kind of falling to not necessarily a wide receiver two on his team, but just a, considering him as a wide receiver two in fantasy just given the offense that he's a part of. I mean, the Eagles, they've been, what, 30th, I think, last season in pass rate over expectation alone, like 32nd in red zone pass rate over expectation just because of Hertz's dominance as a rusher. So I just think it's it's harder for me to get behind A.J. AJ Brown at his value. Not an easy guy to rank. A.J. Brown is not an easy guy to rank right now. Um, and I, I think you make a good point. They, they are building around Jalen Hurts to make sure that they know exactly what they have in him mm-hmm. heading into 2023. They have two first round picks right. in 2023 and, and it's expected to be a very good quarterback class. And one of the first round picks uh, belongs to the saints mm-hmm. and they're sort of like uh, an uh, enigma team. They could be really bad. You know, I, yeah. I, I think, you know, I mean, losing Sean Payton, you know, uh, Alvin Kamara's uh, potentially suspended you know, who knows what the deal is with Michael Thomas. Um, you know, they they could potentially be a really bad team. And if they if they are, then the Eagles are going to be set up to take a quarterback very early, even trade up to take a quarterback very, very early because all the draft capital that they've accumulated. Very forward thinking team. Mm-hmm. I love what the Eagles are doing. I also love Jalen Hurts in fantasy this year. I loved him last year, but I love him even more this year, you know, and um, they're they're absolutely putting him in a position to succeed. Right. And I think that at any organization that has invested so much 
in their quarterback, you would think that they would want to see what they have in him before summarily making the decision to move on from him. I know a number of folks were almost pissed at Howie Roseman for some of the moves that they've made over the last couple of years, but now they essentially have the plan in place for them to evaluate Jalen Hurts, see what they have, and also still having the draft capital next season to move on from him if they need to. It's almost the same way that the Jets are building around Zach Wilson, but they'll also have the ability to move on from if they need to, like in 2023. I think it's just the smart way to build up uh, a franchise. And I think that as of right now, the Eagles are, are really approaching it in the right way. Give Jalen Hurts the proper handshake and say, yep, here's your season. Here are the weapons around you. And let's uh, see if you got it. If not, then we also know like what they can at least are capable of doing in the draft for, for next year. Uh, quick transition, though. Uh, actually, before we move on to the next player, I wanted to ask you about something completely separate real quick. I want to ask you, what did you think of your boy last night watching Jason Tatum uh, wind up taking it to, I mean, taking it to, uh, you know, in the playoffs like right now? Uh, for Brandon, I know you're a basketball fan. If you didn't know this, uh, Evan Silva went to, like, that's his uh, the alma mater, same alma mater as uh, oh, Jason nice. Tatum. Shamanad, right? And uh, uh, Bradley Beal as well. And uh, David Lee was uh, in my class. Oh, that double-double yeah. double machine, David Lee. I love David Lee. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing the – I saw the highlights, like, from the game last night, and I was like, man, I'll have to ask Evan, uh, like, what yeah. he thought of a scene well, on the show. You know, the previous game, Jason Tatum was terrible. I think he was, like uh, – he was over 10 uh, uh, in terms of field goals or something like that. I mean, he had 10 points. He got locked down by Wes Matthews. But, you know, it just shows his competitive spirit. I mean, we know that he has the talent. Mm -hmm. But the competitive spirit to bounce back from a terrible game like that, you know, um, I mean, he's, he's a stud. Like, we, we, we know this. He, he, he's a little that way, isn't he? He's a little uh, yeah. best player in the game one night and then the next night. Not he, quite he sure what to think of. He's, still, he's, he's phenomenal, though. He, he came mm -hmm. out young. I mean, he was. Uh, oh, yeah, he's phenomenal. As a, as a high school senior, um, he, you know, only went uh, to Duke for one year. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's still kind of a baby. I mean, you know, so mm -hmm. the, the ascension will continue. Yeah. No, and, and he's a legit number one, which is uh, not every team has one of those, even if some teams think they do, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. let's, let's, let's go back to full. Let's talk Hollywood Brown uh, for a minute. The other receiver that got traded uh, hard to argue with Chris's discussion about surrounding your quarterback with talent. We saw Cincinnati do that. We saw uh, the Eagles do that. The dolphins have done that this off season. Uh, Cardinals trying to do that uh, in the wake of the Deandre Hopkins suspension for six weeks. They bring in Hollywood Brown. Uh, for a first-round pick. Uh, Evan, how do you like this impact on the Cardinals? Uh, you know, is this a good spot for Brown? Should we be more or less interested in him? Well, I think that it was a move that the Cardinals needed to make because they probably knew about the uh, forthcoming suspension for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number one. Number two, you know, Kyler Murray has, has shown some signs of, like, frustration uh, you know, with uh, uh, the organization, I think bringing him, bringing in his buddy from college, uh, was a you know a sort of like a um, you know a way like like an olive branch to sure. uh, Tyler Murray. And I also think that where Marquise Brown wins is where Kyler Murray wins as a thrower. So I, I I like to move from a real life football standpoint, and I think that within those first what six weeks like. 
Marquise Brown is going to probably be a little inconsistent, but he's going to make some big plays. Oh, uh, oh, and then uh, on uh, Baltimore side, Rashad Bateman is the obvious beneficiary, but I think that Mark Andrews is a sneaky beneficiary. You know, I, I just wrapped up this, this uh, initial top 150, and I think I had Mark Andrews too low. I had Travis Kelsey as the number 10 overall player in the tight end one, but then I had Matt, Mark Andrews like in the 20s, and I feel like I, I think I was too low on him. I mean, he's got an absolute monster upside. I, I, my concern is that the Ravens are going to go back to being very run heavy, and that could hurt them because they, they opened it up a little bit last year. It didn't go that well, though. If I'm picking top five so far, I about half of those, I, I end up taking Andrews in the third. I end up taking them early third uh, in redraft formats. I, I'm with you. He's coming off a phenomenal year and should get plenty of targets. Um, Bateman, where did you end up on Bateman? Because Bateman is Twitter's favorite person on the planet. And I like Rashad yeah, Bateman, right? but yeah. I, I, I think we need to have the Rashad Bateman conversation. I think he was somewhere in the 50s, like the the, the high 50s. So that would put him, what, uh, like early fifth round. Okay. I, I might be too low on him. I don't know. Everything is very fungible. You know, like I'm, I'm willing to move, you know, a, a guy like, you know, big time based on ADP or, you know, I, I'm willing to reevaluate every ranking. I just got Rashad Bateman in the seventh round uh, wow. yes, yesterday in an underdog uh, best ball mania. So I don't think the ADP is catching up quite yet. And this was after the draft and after the trade. So I will say, though, Mark Andrews, like when you guys were talking about him, I love Mark Andrews. But right now his ADP is 16, 16.6 on, oh. in under, on underdog. That's I don't know. That's a little rich for me, I think. So, I mean, people were big time down on him. Well, he didn't oh, yeah. A, a very good 2020 season, mm-hmm. but you know that well, was he a was very... a steal last year. But oh yeah, uh, let's talk running backs. Um, Evan, I love talking running backs with you. Obviously, establish the run; it's in the name. Uh, let's talk about the players with Merck. Uh, now that we've got rookies in, uh, w- I hate Merck. It's well documented. I don't like Merck. I want to unmerk every situation or create all the Merck in one situation. That those are my two uh, preferred options. Let's start. Uh, let's start in Seattle. Uh, they bring in second round Kenneth Walker. A lot of people thought he might be the best running back in the draft. Uh, everybody pretty much had him top two or top three. Seattle uses a second round pick on him. They've got Rashad Penny. They might have Chris Carson. Uh, Evan, how do you see the Seattle running back room shaking out? I think it's just very much up for grabs. Uh, the Seahawks promote you know, uh, competition as a team philosophy. And so listen, if, if Rashad Penny, who balled out, ball crazy mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, in the, uh, the second half of last season. Like, I, I think that he could beat out Kenneth Walker. Like, so I, th- these are the concerns on Kenneth Walker. And I know we're talking about the vets, but it's, he has a decent amount of competition, at least initially. This team could be really freaking bad. He, uh, his receiving acumen is questionable. And so... You know, I'm not big on, on, on Kenneth Walker right now. I think that Rashad Penny, uh, adjusted for ADP, is probably the better value pick right now. People are going to be all the way out on Rashad Penny and very bullish on Kenneth Walker, And I, but I think it's going to be a true competition. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I've seen a lot of criticism because uh, I see him going top four in dynasty leagues, right. uh, you know, dynasty drafts. And I, I just want to say out there, I understand the concerns, which uh, I think you laid out perfectly. Uh, I also think there are limited, really exciting dynasty options in this draft. And so I I, I will defend Kenneth Walker going top four in in dynasty formats especially one quarterback formats because there's lots of receivers and there's really only a couple running backs that have any interest uh let's talk uh tampa real quick leonard fournette seems to be the running back number one they did invest a a a decent enough pick in rashad white uh the versatile guy out of arizona state uh do you think that he has a role there do you think it might push bernard out how do you think it affects fournette i think that Playing time is going to be almost entirely dictated by whatever Tom Brady wants. And Tom Brady trusts Leonard Fournette. And I think it's going to be tough for Rashad White in year one to get on the field. I did put him in the top 150, but he was like number 148 or something. Okay. They also, uh, they also uh, re-signed uh, Giovanni Bernard. Keyshawn Vaughn like knows the offense. You know, it's – I like Rashad White uh, – as a, a dynasty pick, I actually drafted him in dynasty today, uh, somewhere in the second round. Mm-hmm. But I think from a redraft, he's going to need Leonard Fournette to get hurt uh, to, to be a redraft factor, I think. I think that's fair because I know that the big piece to White's game is the the, the receiving part, right? I mean, uh, folks from, I mean, I've heard Patrick Corain talk about him. Uh, even Leone uh, talked about his passing profile. I think from a yards per route run uh, standpoint, he had like the highest grade out of any of the like running backs like in this class. I mean, if you want to talk about the receiving efficiency, even guys like Saquon Barkley, I mean, I think he even a higher yards per route run than like than Saquon, some of the other elite running backs, just doesn't have the rushing acumen to really go with it. So I could see him kind of nudging out a guy like Giovanni Bernard, but even then that role is going to be minor relative to what we can expect for Leonard Fournette, unless Tom Brady absolutely loves the kid, wants him in there on third downs in passing situations. And they really, I mean, you have to squint to come up with a narrative to say that they want to try and preserve Fournette for as long as possible if they want to go through another deep playoff run for this year before Brady decides to hang it up and go to Fox and be a, you know, be an analyst like shortly thereafter. Uh, But like, Kicking it over to the Texans' backfield. I mean, you already hinted at it. I mean, Damian Pierce. I mean, tell. I mean, sell me on Damian Pierce, right? Because I get it. I mean, Rex Burkhead not really expecting a ton from him, even though like didn't you wind up winning a bunch of money like off of like rostering Rex Burkhead in DFS like last season or who was that? Or maybe that was Leone. Uh, Levitin. Uh, Levitin. One, uh, that's who one, it like, was. Grand or something. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, but I mean. We already know that that backfield is rostered with a number of aging backs. Uh, Davis Mills at the quarterback, which, I mean, played well enough, I mean, compared to the rest of his rookie classmates. So, I mean, is there enough there for us to really want to invest in Damian Pierce, even from a redraft standpoint? I get the dynasty aspect, but would you take him in redraft too? Yeah, I would. I mean, his competition is Rex Burkett, who, look, you know, he had, a, he had a nice run. He made Levitan a lot of money against like the Chargers, who had like the worst run defense in the league yeah. last year. You know, um, I think he's still a viable NFL player. He'll, you know, he plays special teams, et cetera. So he's a fine backup running back, but he's he's not very good, you know. So uh, at, at this point anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and then uh, uh, Marlon Mack, who 
you know, Torres Achilles could not get on the field at all last year uh, in Indianapolis. Signed a very cheap deal. No running back has ever, in uh, at least in, in recent history, in the modern era, come back successfully from an Achilles tear. Cam Akers might be able to do that, but, you know, he wasn't very good when he came back in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. so um, that, that, that barrier has still not been cleared. Um, Damian Pierce, fourth round pick. Uh, it's not a ton of draft capital, but it's not bad. I think he was number 107. Uh, he, he showed the ability to break tackles in college and also catch passes in college, and he's 224 pounds. You know, I, I love big backs that can catch passes and break tackles. And so Damian Pierce, to me, is like the ultimate sleeper. I, I bet him 50 to 1 to win uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. And um, I had to actively, like, move him down against my own initial intuition uh, in the top 150 because I, I had him like at a ridiculous, I, I think I had him like 7.01 or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, somewhere crazy above his ADP. Yeah. yeah. Initially. I can, I guess I can get behind that. Like I, I can get behind the upside case form, like you've just mm-hmm. laid out. Right. Uh, so I think that, I think that's completely fair. Uh, another, I guess, rookie running back, or I guess a, murky situation like is the bills running back situation and i think from all of their offseason moves we could kind of see that they wanted the functionality that james cook brings to that offense like with them wanting to be in on jd mckissick and missing out on that and they wind up investing in james cook but they still got devin singletary there i mean is there i mean should we be looking at devin singletary at all or with between josh allen still being a rusher and james cook and his calling card being like the being a pass catcher, I mean, should we just completely forget about him? And I don't even care about Zach Moss at this point. Yeah. I think they're not, I, I think they kind of like gave Zach Moss his shot and he like, they don't, they're, they're not big on him anymore. Um, they gave Devin Singletary a big time shot down the stretch of last year. He's just very replacement level. Um, they did wind up signing, signing uh, Duke Johnson. So he's he's there. Is that anything though? I'm just curious. Is that anything? Is Duke Johnson anything? No, but I mean we're, we're, we're talking about the, the, the you know the backfield as an entirety. And sure. uh, Josh Allen is really good in the running. I mean he will, he will siphon ten rushing TDs. You know, so I don't I don't know about James Cook right now. I think a lot of people are really going to like him, but I, I I'm I'm I have a level of skepticism on him. I think I'm going to be at least initially I'm going to be lower. Uh, than ADP on James Cook initially. You talked about Crowder. Uh, is that maybe that's the better target? Cole Beasley was a monster in that yeah. role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, love James I mean, Cook. Know, if anyone cares, <laughs> I love him. Jen, totally Jen, unbi- I, I want to love him, Jen. I just I'm I don't totally know unbiased. But... I don't know if the situation is going to translate to consistent, you know, steady fantasy value. I, I don't know. I think that um, I think they want they've wanted someone like him for a long time. They Mm -hmm. want to use him. I think Josh Allen is getting older and can't run as much as he, you know, has in the past and bail out everything in the past. So I think cook might be his little dump off guy. I think he's going to, I will say, I think uh, he's going to take work away from Isaiah McKenzie. Not that there was a ton of work for Isaiah McKenzie, but I think the addition of James cook kind of dismisses any hope that anybody had. And Jamison Crowder really work against Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. Yeah. That's my two cents. I like him. And I like the fact that, that a lot of people don't right now because he's pretty cheap. Yeah. 
just because I think that if you look at that backfield as a whole, I mean, Devin Singletary, at least as a rusher, he had spurts of decent efficiency and was capable of at least being their RB1, like for stretches, at least he was better than Zach Moss, but that neither of them were capable of adding in the passing game. I think this was from Sports Info Solutions. Uh, for every for all running backs with 20 or more receptions last year, Devin Singletary was dead last in EPA per target. Both him and Zach Moss were bottom half in yards after the catch, and they were in the top half in drop rate. So like that, if we all considered targets to be earned, they weren't earning a damn thing like in that offense last year. So I, I get why they were wanting to find guys like J.D. McKissick, why they were even wanting to add just more guys that could work the short area of the field, like Jamison Crowder, like so on and so forth, because they want to be able to still have that functionality in the offense. They just weren't going to be able to do it with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. It was just never going to be a thing. Yeah, right now it's interesting, though, because Cook and Singletary are very close in ADP. I mean, they're yeah. both – they're like Singletary is 103 and, and Cook is 109. So, I mean, they're they're right there next to each other, which I think is you know interesting. And I think Singletary, I think, is going to be still fantasy relevant, obviously. I mean, he's going mm-hmm. to get – He's going to get that early down work, but I do like, I like James Cook there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan and it's totally unbiased. No, no, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> completely nothing, unbiased. Nothing to do with his college or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Evan, I mean, talk to me about uh, Austin Eckler real quick, because I think right now what he's being drafted as the, what RB4 to RB6, yeah, like somewhere really, in there, really, really, really early. And the team, I, mean, I remember seeing quotes from both him and Brandon Staley about them wanting to find a complimentary back for Austin Eckler. I mean, somebody to essentially be like when they had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, I mean, they were one of the best like running back tandems essentially since we had Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, what 2017, 2018 timeframe. And Austin Eckler wants it. The team wants that complimentary back like type of system. And now they have Isaiah Spiller. I mean, should, should we be kind of pumping the brakes on Austin Eckler's current ADP? Cause Looking at Spiller's profile, he could he could really wind up being an impact in his rookie season. So are you in on Austin Eckler to ADP? Well, you know, just looking at other rankings and some very early ADP stuff, I, I was a little bit lower than consensus on uh, Austin Eckler. And we were higher than consensus on Austin Eckler last year, and that paid big-time dividends. People were mm-hmm. worried about Larry Roundtree and Josh, Josh Kelly. These guys stink. You know, and that's why we saw the Chargers, you know, draft another running back this year. I, I like Isaiah Spiller fine. Uh, he did not grade well in um, uh, Graham Barfield stuff. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he did not run well at the combine or, you know, any of that stuff. And athleticism definitely matters at the running back position. But I, I do think he's better than Larry Roundtree and Josh Kelly. But, I, I you know, Austin Eckler is going to have a stranglehold on – 15 to 19 touches every week in a really good offense. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard to poke holes in him unless you're, I mean, really focused on just the workload and the projected touches because mm-hmm. he, he has no, no coaching staff based on Austin Eckler's size. No coaching staff is ever going to truly commit to him, you know, in like a, a Christian McCaffrey role or, or something like that. Right. Um, you know, so that, that's the one knock against him. But he, he's going to be awesome in fantasy again. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as he stays healthy, I mean. He's so who you been taking? Who, who you been taking it for? Um, because that's where I keep seeing Eckler go. I keep seeing him go at four. I keep seeing. Uh, yeah. I you know sometimes I see Henry, sometimes I see Cook. Oh no, I, I have him at four. You okay. have him at four. I okay. do. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I have uh, Jonathan Taylor, number one, McCaffrey, number two, Derrick Henry, number three, which I've seen uh, people be a little bit lower on Derrick Henry this year. Sure. And then uh, Austin Eckler, number four, and Dalvin Cook, number five. Excellent. Henry's on my list of uh, guys that I'm just going to believe in until until he sucks. Yeah. It's like every year people are like, oh, he doesn't catch passes. It doesn't matter. Like the guy, (laughs) if he's on that field and he's healthy, he produces. And it's that offense, it just, it goes through him. And I'm, you know, and I'll take him. Other people don't want him. That's fine. Um, I will take him. I mean, if there's any season to believe in his receiving opportunity, it would be this year right after they shipped off A.J. Brown. I know that the expectation is that Traylon Burks comes in and takes on like that role for them. But even A.J. Brown in his first season, it took him about three to four weeks in order for us to really see A.J. Brown take on even more than an 18% target share. So if there's a chance that Derrick Henry can continue to catch more passes, I think at the start of last year, he was catching more passes out of the gate. Under the new O.C. Todd Downing. You know, absolutely he's back as the OC, so yeah so there's there's absolutely an upside case for Derek Henry while on underdog it might not be the biggest impact because it's half point PPR but when you compare him to the other backs that are going around him Christian McCaffrey's to Jonathan Taylor's even though Jonathan Taylor will have to compete with Naheem Hines this year I think there's at least the upside case to sustain Derek Henry's value at that point let's uh let's transition to like the the king of Merck backfields and that would be san francisco um it's always always a murky situation there how are you feeling about oh my god my alexa just started talking out of nowhere super weird um anyway uh how do you how are you feeling about elijah mitchell uh this season do you feel like there's there's a repeat coming for him are people too high on him are people too low on him where are you well if you just go back to the shanahan's history you know kyle shanahan mike shanahan it's always an ongoing competition and that would always frustrate, obviously, you know, fantasy people, you know, there's no clear cut, you know, number one guy. And I mean, they haven't really invested very much in any of these guys. I mean, other than, you know, some uh, draft capital, but none of these guys that they have on the team right now have been drafted were drafted earlier uh, than the third round. So they're all on cheap deals and it's just an ongoing competition. Elijah Mitchell is an explosive guy who played well for the most part last year, obviously was, you know, really good for a six round pick. Trey Sermon was, you know, he, he runs like he's got a piano on his back. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's like, you know, he, he ran like a fullback last year. It, it was bad with Trey Sermon. I, I think he actually might get cut this year. Uh, Jeff Wilson is back. He runs like, like a freaking hammerhead. I mean, he's one of the most physical runners in the league, but he dealt with injuries last year and, they have almost nothing invested in him. And now they go out and draft uh, this kid from L- uh, LSU, Tyreon Davis Price, which to me was a, a, a straight up indictment of Trey Sermon because they are similar players. Um, I don't know, man. I, like, I don't know. I think it's, uh, we're going to have to see. It's not, a, I, I mean, I, obviously Elijah Mitchell, I think, is the clear cut favorite. Mm-hmm. But that can change like that, like you know. We also have a quarter. I mean, the quarterback situation that was not completely resolved as well, so yeah, we don't really yeah. know what to expect there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and even last year, like uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, like they didn't throw passes to their running backs. You know, they don't throw the ball very much at all. Uh, and mm-hmm. Kyle Uschek even comes in on a lot of uh, in a lot of uh, passing situations. So it's 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 a tough situation. 
Mm-hmm. I want to now start grading running backs based on what kind of piano they have on their back when they run. Like <laughs> Trey Sermon's like a big old church organ. You know what I mean? Terry Davis probably yeah. more like a keyboard back there. Like a synthesizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Antonio Gibson, uh, the last running back. That's Merck. Uh, depends on, I guess, if you think it's Merck or not. Uh, they brought back JD McKissick in, like, uh, uh, if people remember the 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 Dallas and Clippers situation with DeAndre Jordan, there had to be something uh, similar to there where they quartered him in the hotel room and they said you're not going to Buffalo. But they um, bring bring back JD McKissick and then they they draft Brian Robinson, who a lot of people like coming out of Alabama. Not a lot of tread on those tires. Uh, is he a threat to Antonio Gibson because the coach speak and all the Twitter noise and all that makes it seem like there's a legit threat there. And Gibson's been the guy. So I'm curious, Evan, if you think it's kind of all for naught or if we should seriously be concerned about Gibson. We should absolutely be seriously concerned about Gibson. Yeah, the offseason started really nice for him. J.D. McKissick was supposed to go to Buffalo. He winds up uh, going back to Washington. We know how much value he siphoned, fantasy value he siphoned away from Antonio Gibson uh, in in uh, previous years, and now they use a third round pick on Brian Robinson. Uh, Ron Rivera says, essentially indicated that it's going to be like a a two way committee between Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, and then JD McKissick is going to come in in passing situations. It, it's it's a bad fantasy situation. I. I, I'm nervous as well. I'll probably if his ADP drops enough, I'll probably gamble a little bit on him, but yeah. um, but not in that second, third round where I've been seeing where I saw no. him go, uh, you know, heading into it. Uh, let's talk a couple about uh, the running backs that didn't get any Merck added to it. Uh, Cordero Patterson is officially listed as a running back now. And uh, the only people the only guy they drafted was uh, Tyler Algier in the fifth round out of BYU. Uh can we expect another good season from Cordero Patterson? I, it was it was tough to like for me to grasp that Cordero Patterson, like literally like eight ten years in the league, all of a sudden <laughs> became you know a, a big time fantasy factor um, last year. So I, I'm still kind of on the skeptical side, honestly. Like Mike Davis was cut, but they did bring in uh, this fifth rounder, Tyler Algier. And they also signed Damian Williams, who's very good at football. That's right. Um, yeah. And so uh, CPAT is a really tough guy to rank. I mean, you know, we're going to have to go through the process. We'll try to parse out some coach speak. And I, I'm i in a Tyler Algier, though, uh, as, as like a super sleeper. I think I rank him somewhere in the 120s, but he's, he's locked into the top 150. Yeah, and I think with his upside case, you can already see a path to him seeing like RB1 touches throughout the, throughout the season. It's easy to see CPAT getting an injury at his age. Damian Williams was injured just last year when he was with the Bears. So there's, I mean, an easy scenario where Algier winds up being like their RB1. Now we might have concerns about who's going to be under center, but either way, the workload should still be there for him. I mean, heck, we just watched in a similar vein, we just watched Khalil Herbert do the exact same thing when Dave Montgomery was out for a few weeks, and he completely stole the show there in Chicago. So while Algier, not the same profile as Herbert, but I do think that there's at least a case for that type of workload. Uh, but kicking it over to Arizona, I mean, James Conner looks like he's locked in for another solid like RB1 season. I mean, I know he's also getting you know a little older, uh, like we were just talking about with Cordero Patterson, but it doesn't seem like they have anybody else behind him unless 
folks are still holding out hope for Eno Benjamin. So are you are you on like the James Conner train like for this year, especially given the fact that they're down a pass catcher in DeAndre Hopkins? We already talked about Marquise Brown. Looks like the targets and opportunities should be there for him this year, no? Absolutely. I mean, it sets up really nice for James Conner on paper. And, you know, this guy has had durability problems throughout his career. He stayed mostly healthy through what, 12, 13 games last year. He, he wound up getting uh, banged up at the end. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's a talented dude. I mean, we saw him early in his career. He essentially made Le'Veon Bell irrelevant. Um, he's still uh, quite young. He was not good in 2020 with the Steelers, and but he was banged up that entire year. And then we saw his upside in this particular Arizona Cardinals offense, which creates a lot of holes for the RBs, gets the ball to the RBs in the passing game as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to be excited about James Conner, but you have to maintain a level of skepticism about him because his durability history is uh, not very good. I mean, but we're talking about like Jonathan Ward, you know, uh, Keontae uh, uh, Burnett. Yeah, the banger from USC. Uh, uh, Keontae Murray, I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, Eno Benjamin, who has done nothing. Like this constitutes uh, the Arizona Cardinals running back depth right now. So mm -hmm. he, he is a uh, he looks great on paper. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about those receivers we're uh I'll already have you uh longer than I, I i i wanted to for the running backs but i i just wanted to hit all those running back situations uh lots of really good receivers in this draft we're gonna rehash uh all off season which rookies we like but i want to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit uh we already talked a little bit about jared goff or hinted at jared goff it adds jameson williams uh already added dj chark to the offense in the offseason uh do you think Jared Goff can go from kind of afterthought to a viable fantasy guy this year based on the new weapons that he gained? Yes. And I wound up ranking him uncomfortably high in my uh, initial top 150 at like quarterback 16 or something like that. Nice. Um, or uh, quarterback 18. Yeah. Um, he plays indoors. He's got a good offensive line. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown showed a lot last year. TJ Hawkinson showed a lot early before he wound up getting banged up. Jameson Williams, to me, was the most exciting receiver to watch play uh, coming out of college this past year. Uh, he's got familiarity with uh, Josh Reynolds, who they were signed. And uh, they also signed DJ Chark. And uh, DeAndre Swift can be a big-time playmaker in the past. I mean, They've got some serious talent on offense right now. I mean, I know it's the Lions, but I, don't know, I, I bet them to win the division, to make the playoffs. <sighs> I love this. I love this. I'm very excited about this. I'm ready, like I'm ready for the Lions. I like it, too. I actually just drafted uh, Jared Goff as my QB3 in the 17th round, like right before this pod started. Steel. So Steel. I love that. You're I know, I love it, and I have I have Chark, and I have Jamison Williams, so I've got a nice little stack going there, uh, heading into the final round of that uh, best ball mania. But let's transition to New Orleans and uh, Jameis Winston. How do we feel about him? I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. New Orleans for me is tough to predict because you think, okay, what what do we have with Michael Thomas? They now have Chris Olave, you know, they have a new coach. I mean, it's kind of a whole new situation. Supposedly, Jameis is kind of working on his, you know, his accuracy this offseason and working on more of the intermediate slant stuff with Thomas. But, I mean, how, how do you feel about him? Where do you have him ranked? And, and what do you think about his relevancy in just regular redraft? 
Yeah. You know, he, he actually wound up having some nice fantasy games last year, but, you know, they used him as a game manager. And he kind of, like, outperformed expectation, I think, at least in terms of fantasy production. I don't know what what's up with Michael Thomas. So I, I think he's kind of like a mystery, although I did uh, draft him late in the fifth round uh, the other day. It seemed like just nobody wanted him. I was like, all right, sure. You know, I will definitely take him there. Chris Olave, to me, seems like more of a role player, a perimeter role player. Um, and then what does the loss of Sean Payton mean for the offense? Uh, they also lost uh, Teron Armstead. Their offense line, I think, is still going to be okay. But, you know, it's not the badass, you know, they got like, you know, a stud at every position. You know, that's probably not going to happen uh, this year. So, I don't know. Jameis Winston is tough for me. He's also coming off a torn ACL. Like, I don't know, man. I I, I, have, I have him pretty low. Uh, and Trevor Penning uh, looks like a right tackle to me, too. Like, I don't I don't know. Hey, they're going to try him at left. I feel like he's one of those guys who bombs at left and ends up playing a little guard and be. plays right tackle. But yeah, I don't know. Um, Chris talked about Zach Wilson a little bit, how the Jets are doing the similar thing that Philly's doing, surrounding him with weapons. Uh, he is dirt cheap, and Garrett Wilson he now has. Corey Davis is back. Elijah Moore is back. He's got weapons in that offense. Uh, are we too low on Zach Wilson? Does Zach Wilson have some upside uh, to be more than just an afterthought? Yeah, I mean, his tape was really bad for you know the vast majority of last season. He got better late but that was when they really reduced his pass volume. Like he, even at, uh, in college, like Zach Wilson struggled to, well, he, he can make like highlight real plays on like second reaction, but yeah. he struggled to play within structure. And the Jets OC, Mike LaFleur comes from the, the Kyle Shanahan tree. They really want their quarterback to be able to uh, succeed within the structure of their offense because their offense gets guys open. Um, He's he's another tough one. I, I get it. They're like the jet. Like everybody's betting on the Jets. Like mm. this year, you know, they they think, oh, this is this is the new Bengals. You know, everybody's betting over. They've been, I think, the most bet team, um, or one of the most bet teams to win the Super Bowl at their long odds. Uh, so much that you know the the sportsbook uh, had to move the odds. Like that's why. I don't know. I'm out on that. Nope. I I can't. I don't know if I can get behind that. I I think CJ CJ Uzuma is about the only Bengals thing about that uh, Jets team for me. I do love me some Uzuma. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think like we were talking earlier about franchise building and them putting the right pieces around Zach Wilson in order to figure out whether or not he's the guy. Because to your point, Evan, he was – the out of every out of every rookie quarterback last season, he was the worst in EPA per play. I mean, worse than Davis Mills, who I think collectively we all went into this saying that. I mean, Houston drafting Davis Mills, you know, Deshaun Watson still. We'll see what if they keep him or whatever happens, but there's no way Davis Mills is going to amount to anything. And he outplayed him. I mean, just straight up. I mean, Davis Mills outplayed Zach Wilson. So I think that you know the Jets, I think, are making the smart decision with the offseason moves that they made. I mean, bringing in Brees Hall and drafting the wide receivers, both last year with Elijah Moore and this year, bringing in C.J. Uzoma, what, Tyler Conklin too, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's like they they have the surrounding cast in order to properly evaluate, just like Jalen Hurts. But Zach Wilson does not have the same 
upside, real or fantasy football related, that Jalen Hurts provides. So I get it. Uh, but let's kick it down to Atlanta real quick. Uh, since we were talking about Tennessee and like the, I guess the similarities between what, uh, like, uh, what Howard is like trying to do, like now or Arthur Smith rather with the Falcons, I can almost squint and see what he's trying to do, like trying to replicate that with the Falcons. I mean, we're seeing he also uh, what Anthony Ferkser is now with the Falcons, holdover from Tennessee. Uh, even looking at the profile for Tyler Algier, like he's definitely not the same size as Derrick Henry, but you can kind of squint and see that he wants that same type of running back, that same type of profile. And with them taking Drake London and also having, I mean, guys that can also play on the perimeter, they've already got Kyle Pitts. I can see more two tight end sets for them this year as well. So, I mean, are you at least excited about either Marcus Mariota or do you see even Desmond Ritter getting some sort of work like in his rookie season? Yeah, I, I think the Falcons are going to be really, really bad. And Desmond Ritter is going to get a chance at some point. Um, I don't know. I mean, Marcus Mariota is like, he looked so good early in his career and then just like fell off a cliff. The injuries just you know, never stops with him. And then, you know, he comes back and plays pretty well, like in spot appearances for the Raiders. Yeah. But they, I just, the offensive line isn't very good. The receiver core, although it's gotten better, it's still a problem with, you know, led by you know, a rookie in, in Drake London, a second year player and Kyle Pitts, the defense is going to be a sieve. So I just think that they're going to end up giving chances to uh, Desmond Ritter this year. No, I think it makes sense. I mean, just looking at the extensions that they hand out this, this off season, whether they extended Grady, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, we know what we're, we know where we're at right now with, Kyle Pitts kind of being essentially our anchor on offense. And we know who our guys are on defense, whether it's AJ Terrell or Grady Jarrett. And that that's it. Like we're a team that's trying to build something here, but we're a year away from being a year away. So while I might take some stabs at Marcus Mariota, it is not that outlandish to think that we'll see at least a guy from my alma mater uh, from uh, Desmond Ritter from university of Cincinnati, like getting some snaps at some point this season, it's entirely within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually just wrote a, uh, a Desmond Ritter profile this morning uh, that is sitting in Brandon's inbox to to edit and read uh, later this evening. I'm looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. So I mean, it pretty much says exactly what what you guys said. I think he's going to get a shot. I think you've got you know Mariota has been a back nothing but a backup since 2019 and has been injured on and off. And I think Ritter's going to get a shot. I think I don't think he has any fantasy value. I think. London and Pitts, and I think they'll be all right in Patterson. But um, let's uh, – I think we have one more uh, quarterback to talk about, and that is Carson Wentz in uh, Washington. I mean, I don't know how to feel about him. I, I'm not a Wentz fan anyway. I wasn't before. I wasn't when he went to Indy, and, I, and I'm definitely not now. Evan, how do you feel? Do you feel that, you know, adding Dotson, does that help? I mean, what do we think about Terry? Like, are we in on Wentz at all? I mean, in two quarterback leagues, I think. Um... You know, I, I think that Washington has enough roster talent that he is not in a situation like Marcus Mariota. Like the, Washington uh, has the capability of flirting with like a playoff berth and they can be in it, you know, uh, late in the season. Um, but I, you know, Carson Wentz in very good. He had the one really good year uh, where he, you know, played what, 14 games and they went to the Super Bowl without him. They won the Super Bowl without him. 
But other than that, he's been very mediocre, even in even at, at oftentimes bad, straight up bad. Um, and so, you know, he's a two quarterback league guy. I love he was so bad against Jacksonville. They 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 immediately started calling him to trade him. <laughs> yeah. Their late season collapse was just I mean, oh. it, it was it was painful to watch, especially yeah. as someone who like halfway through the year bet them to win uh, the uh, AFC South mm-hmm. and really took it on the chin late in the season. <laughs> Because, I mean, the process in order to make that bet was perfect. I mean, if you're already looking at the Texans, who we assume to be in disarray with Watson, them taking Mills, and the Jaguars, with all of the stuff we were hearing about Urban Meyer before the season even began, it was almost a cakewalk for the Colts to wind up taking the AFC South. And they couldn't even do that. I mean, but to to Jen's point, I do think that the surrounding cast is, I mean, the vibe, I think Carson Wentz is, volatile enough that he can float some of their values on a week-to-week basis i mean carson wentz if i remember right that week seven game when they played against san francisco in like the pouring rain he was still throwing deep to michael Pittman. so i can still see the same scenario for him to chuck deep to terry mclaurin or even curtis samuel uh, assuming health and of course like dotson like once he gets uh, gets a larger part of that offense so i think it's it's possible but i would rather invest in each of the pieces Logan Thomas included versus, I mean, before even tr- like thinking about clicking the button on Wentz. Definitely. It's interesting to me that those first round receivers all went to quarterbacks that uh, were afterthoughts. And so I was curious to see if that changed anything for any of us. Uh, I'm here for the Jared Goff hype, hype train. I'm very excited about it. I want him to do well in Detroit. I want Detroit to do well. Uh, you know, I, I think that's all the guys I wanted to make sure we hit on. Any other winners or losers from anyone, really? But, um, Evan, anyone else you want to talk about that we didn't bring up that you think was a big winner or loser from the draft? Um, well, did we talk enough about uh, Miles Sanders? So we talked about him earlier, but we can keep talking about Miles Sanders, absolutely, if you'd okay. like. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they didn't add anybody, like, at all. Uh, they did give Boston Scott a, a restricted free agent tender. Um, Kenneth Gainwell is back, but you know Miles Sanders is in, in, uh, an explosive dude. Well, they did add people just at uh, different positions that is going to make that are going to make the offense better. So, which should help yeah. him. The good thing about Miles Sanders is he's going to be a recency bias guy, and he's oh, going to yeah. slide all over the place because he got he killed everyone last year. So. He's going to be a great guy to grab. I think he's actually, currently an eighth rounder, I think. Right and, and, I, and I thought he actually played pretty well last year, but he just could not score touchdowns. I mean, he was allergic to the end zone. 21 red zone attempts, if I remember correctly, zero red zone touchdowns. Oh, oh geez. Like, that I is, think just, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know. That's prime for positive good. regression. Like, yeah, I mean, regression should take care of itself. And uh, the way I was thinking about this, uh, beforehand was that Gainwell was enough of a factor like in the passing game that he might reduce some of Miles Sanders like overall workload. But actually I was listening to Leone and Jack Miller talk and Jack pointed out the fact that Gainwell's like the primary or like most of Gainwell's receptions came in games where Miles Sanders wasn't even there. So it's not okay. like Gainwell is going to be like the RB2 or 1B or anything like that. Or at least we can't take last season and make that assumption. So it does seem like Miles Sanders could be 
I mean, just a, a dual threat back like for, for that offense. He still could be taking not just carries, but also a number of targets. And if the touchdowns come back, I mean, that's he's huge value right now where he's going in drafts. I, I, I'm in. I also think that defense is going to be good. They added Nicobe Dean. They added Kazir White, who I love. They added yeah. uh, the big Georgia nose tackle, Jordan Davis. Is that right? I love, Freak. love that Just kid. A, yeah. Like an absolute freak of an athlete. Yeah, and usually good defense is good for the running back, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of buying the dip on Miles Sanders. Um, yeah. Evan, we, we've helped kept you for uh, uh, long enough tonight. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Listeners, check out EstablishTheRun.com. Follow Evan on Twitter, at Evan Silva. Evan, any final thoughts or plugs before we go? No, uh, just uh, thanks so much for uh, having me on your guys' show. Uh, it was great to talk with you, Jen, Brandon, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and uh, thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking us out and have a good day.